Uh, it is good to be with y'all in, in the uh, CLC again, and, and as we begin, I want us to read a scripture together. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, and I'd like for us to read that together, and let's do that. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he has promised is faithful and let us consider how to provoke one another to good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then Luke 2.52, and this is Jesus as he's in the growth process as he is moving through maturation, and it says this, read it with me, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Well, this morning, what I'd like to do is share with you an, an image that we might hear more often during the season of Advent or Christmas. But today, I think it serves our purpose as well. And this particular uh, imagery has to do with a poor couple, a couple that doesn't have much means, and they go to one of those Christmas tree lots that we often see set up somewhere a little before Thanksgiving and before Christmas, and, and they begin to walk down the aisles, and, and they know, they're skeptical, they realize they don't have a lot of resources. I mean, you can tell they're poor. Their clothing is tattered and it's worn, and they, they just don't have a lot. And, and so they're walking, and they, they look at a Fraser fir, a beautiful Christmas tree, and, and a, a, an attendant, a Christmas tree attendant, uh, sees them and says, can I help them? And they look at the Fraser fir, they look at the price, they talk to each other, they whisper, and they say no, and they close, uh, close down that option. And then they, they walk over to some nice Virginia pines, and they, they look at those and beautiful trees, and they talk among themselves, and again, you see the shaking of the head. And they said, is there any others that you have, sir? And he said, well, let's walk to the back of the lot. And they came upon an old Scottish pine. Uh, it was full on one side, and then if you turned it around, it had uh, gashes and holes, and it was void of of the greenery. And they saw another one right next to it, and, and it was bold on one side but full on the other. And they talked among this, themselves, and they knew they couldn't get one of the other trees. And so they, they whispered to one another, and then they turned to the attendant and said, would you, would you let these two go for $5? And he thought to himself, you know, I'm going to cut my losses. I'm not going to get anything for these trees. And so, sure. I'll take five bucks for them. And so they carry them off. A couple of weeks later, the, the attendant of the Christmas tree stand was walking in a modest area of town, and he looked up in an apartment complex. And it looked like subsidized housing, and, and, and he, he looked up on the second floor, and he saw this beautiful tree being decorated with lights and tinsel, and, and he recognized this couple. And the curiosity got the best of him, and so he went upstairs, he ascended the steps there, and he, and he 
went to them, knocked on the door and said, look, uh, y'all may not remember me. And they said, oh yeah, we remember you. Well, how is it that you were able to get this beautiful tree and yet I, I sold you some really bad ones? And they said, oh, let me tell you. What we did is we, we took each one of them and we, uh, we kind of delimbed one side of one and one side of the other where it was bad and, and we pressed them together and we wired them together and this is what we came up with. Pretty good, huh? You know, and, and for me, that was a picture of what it's like for us coming together as the church. I mean, we're flawed, aren't we? We're imperfect. We have our emotional infirmities, our idiosyncrasies. Some of us are bald. <laughs> Some of us are not proportioned nicely. Hey, but, but you put us together and, and you can come up with something beautiful. And, and I really believe that's what God wants to do with us. He takes who we are flaws and imperfections, binds us together into something beautiful, and then he says, go do something beautiful for the world. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you've taken us just as we are, um, and, and all that we are not, and you desire to make something special out of us together. And so do that, and help us to be obedient to your call upon our lives. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're in a series entitled The Big Three. The Big Three. And I'm not talking about Tim, Anthony, and John. The Big Three uh, have to do with what we believe are categories and disciplines that really are a summation of our vows of membership. And if we activate these things, we'll live out a balanced, growing life of discipleship. And last week we talked about worship. And we really believe that worship is our opportunity to say, now we're not the focus, but God is the audience, and we come together to glorify Him as a collected people. And today, we're going to talk about small groups and being together and growing together. And then the final one, next week I'll be with you, and we'll be talking about service and how God has saved us to serve. And we're to activate our gifts to serve in God's world. And we want you to think about this. And it sounds overwhelming because you're thinking, you know, Tim, I have so many demands on my time. I don't know if I can pull this off. But what we'd like for you to consider is three hours of your time, give or take. One hour of worship every week. And, and you're doing that. Way to go. You've come today on a gloomy, rainy kind of day. You've come to worship. boy. Number two... We want you to commit an hour a week to some kind of study, something that will help you grow because we're convinced this is not enough. And then finally, we want you to give of yourself an hour to some kind of ministry, whether in the life of the church or beyond the church, where you really make a difference. And so the big three, and today I want us to talk about that middle one, number two. And I want us to talk about how important it is to be a part of a small group in the larger church. A small setting for spiritual growth and discipleship. 
A way I would say it is, it's doing life together. Are you doing life with others? Well, I believe it still works. Jesus started the original small group. I mean, He took a motley crew of men in that case, and He said, look, I'm going to take all of your imperfections, I'm going to take all of your inadequacies and your failures, and we're going to together with the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit was with Christ at that point, He could empower to anybody, the the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to change the world. And He was able to do that. And they grew together. They became vulnerable. They became open. They were confronted with their difficulties, their own issues. And yet, they moved more and more towards Christ. And so, this morning, I want to say, Jesus helps us to understand the value of small groups because He exercised that. And so, why small groups? Well, the Scripture this morning we read said they met together. Why is it important that we would meet together? Well, one, it has to do with our our vertical relationship with Christ. Uh, I'm able to draw closer to God because I'm around people that have a desire to draw closer to God. And so I want to be around people at least part of the week that are moving in that direction. The other piece of that is it gives us a chance to live into and to pour our lives into others and let others pour their lives into us. And so we are able to work on horizontal relationships. And we're becoming together more like Jesus. And so, uh, in a wonderful way, Jesus used this concept. This was His method. And when we think of methods, we think of Methodist, and we think of John Wesley. And John Wesley was able to, to move a revival forward with God's Spirit for a couple of reasons. One, he was a dynamic preacher, and people would come from all over to hear him. But I'm not sure that was the genius. And, and while John, or Charles Wesley was a gifted musician and drew people through music, I'm not sure that was the difference. I think all of that enhanced what they were able to do. But the genius of what they did is they put people in small groups. People would hear the gospel and they'd say, you know, I want to I explore this thing you're calling Christianity It's kind of dead in the church. I want to see it alive. And I want to see it alive in other people. And so he'd say, okay, I want you to to gather with these folks. And then he'd have something called societies. And they'd be a little larger. And and the smaller ones were bands of people. And and he would mobilize them in a very pragmatic and practical way. And revival swept across England. In fact, because of that pragmatism, because of that method, because of that model that he got off of Jesus Christ, you're here today. And so I'm absolutely convinced if we're to grow in Christ, we've got to commit ourselves to smaller settings of spiritual formation. And for you, that might be a Sunday school class It might be going through disciple Bible study. It may be a UMW circle. It may be in our student ministry, small groups on a Wednesday night or another time. It may have to do with a women's Bible study. Uh, We've got a lot of women's Bible studies, and we want to encourage you, uh, if you're a woman, participate. We don't want any men in those. And and, and Emmaus, uh, an Emmaus reunion group, and a men's prayer and share group. And you see, it's that place 
where something mystical happens, where the biblical word is koinonia, where God's spirit intersects with our spirit as we're with other people, and, and there's a kindred spirit. And the community of Christ becomes even more real, and it's an opportunity for us to grow together, to be like Jesus together. Now, the way I equate this is a lot of times, those of us who've been in the church a while, you know, we, we may try to be a Christian, but we really never train to be a Christian. I really believe there's a difference. Uh, let me explain. Trying is something that you just kind of, out of curiosity, dabble with. It's like when you're going through a smorgasbord and you see something, you see a buffet, and you say, you know, I think I'll try that. And so you get a spoon of it, and you, you dabble a little bit on your plate, and you say, I'm, I'm going to try that. You're not overly committed. You don't want to go with the risk of what it may taste like. And so you try it. But training is something much different. Training is saying, okay, I'm all in. I'm committed to a process. I mean, let's take a stretch, one, two, for a minute. Uh, this is a real stretch. Let's say I wanted to run a marathon. That, that's a, all right? And, and, and I said, uh, and there's some marathon runners in here. I know there are. And let's say I decided I was going to try that. Okay? If I were trying to run a marathon, what I would do is I would slip on some socks, nice-looking socks, and some, you know, pretty impressive shoes, running shoes. And I would put a nice-looking uh, athletic outfit on it, and, and I would run, and I'd get about a half a mile, maybe three-quarters of a mile. And then I'd probably quit. Uh, but I tried it, right? Well, training is different. Training has to do with a process where I do all those things. I wear the right equipment, but I, I set a stage. I have a calendar, and I say, okay, at the end of this week, I want to be here, and, and here's a benchmark, and, and I'm going to run with others who are running so that they can help motivate me. And, and you know what? I bet, now my knees are not set up for this, but I bet if I ran with others, uh, I, I might shorten my life expectancy, but I, I could somehow, I could somehow do a mile. All right. Um, and, and so training is a process where we declare, okay, I'm going to, to be all in, and, and I'm going to be a part of something bigger than myself, God and others, in this training process. And so let me ask you, when it comes to this thing called Christian faith, are you simply dabbling? Are you, are you just trying? Are you training? Well, part of that training, significant training, has to do with a small group. It has to do with your willingness to say, you know, I need to draw some folks around me. I need some folks to pour into my life. I want to pour into some other people's lives. And so what happens in a small group? And a little later, Anthony's going to be talking about what opportunities are out there. But I want to talk about what happens in a small group. And let me ask you this question. When you have a need, who shows up? When you have a hospitalization, you're in the hospital, or a family member, who shows up? Uh, when, when you have a death in your family, who are some of the first people that call you? Uh, when you have a celebration, a, a joyful moment, a special rite of passage, maybe a baptism of a child, who shows up? I'm going to venture to say that if you're in a small group, if you're in a Sunday school group, if you're in a ministry group of the church, it's going to be some of those folks. You see, if, if there's a need that you have, 
You make us aware of it, and Anthony or John or I'll be there for you. And joyfully. I mean, we're willing to, to step into your life. But there's real power. There's something special when the people that are part of your ministry group show up when you need them most. I've been to a couple of funerals here, and I've seen Sunday school class members show up for someone who had a death of a loved one. I've walked into hospital rooms where maybe a, a Bible study group of women who've had a Bible study for a long time, one of them is having a procedure and the others are gathered around praying. Uh, gang, there's care and compassion that happens in a small group. Maybe you've seen that image, uh, the story of, of Mary and how Mary had special needs and she was in the Special Olympics with others that had special needs and they were doing this relay, point A to point B and the finish line uh, was down this way and they started over here and, and the, the, the gun sounded and off they went and Mary had a, a significant lead and she was out in front of everybody and, and they weren't really in straight lines. They were getting out of the lanes and she fell and scuffed up her shin and, and, and actually abrased her face and in most track settings, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, everybody normally would be dashing passing that person by, going to the finish line. But in the Special Olympics, in this setting, they all stopped, and one of them said, Mary's down! And they turn around, and they look, and there she is. And so they, they run in a very uncoordinated way, some of them, and they, they pick her up, and together, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, they finish together. Gang, that's what it's about. It's about being in a part of a ministry group where where we finish together. And part of that finishing together means we grow together, we're there for each other. If you're not part of a, a small group, I want to say you're missing out on a significant part of ministry in the life of the church. All right, what else happens in the life of a small group? You have encouragement. And a biblical word means edification. It means to build up. Um, every week you have someone saying, I believe in you. I, I can see God working in your life. I believe God has something special for you. Let me pray with you. Encouragement. What is encouragement? It means to give courage. And some of the greatest courageous decisions came from a person that was surrounded by other courageous people. And so what small group are you a part of? Uh, one of the rites of passage that I have with my kids is every one of them um, I take them whitewater rafting, and um, we do a kind of a lower class uh, uh, in terms of the rapid size run, and then we'll do an, uh, a more sizable run where, you know, there's threes and fours, and, and we may, you know, do the Akoi and some others, and, and, and so my oldest son, we've been through that, we've got the pictures in my office, and, and Rebecca, that was interesting, and, and then Jordan. Uh, and, and, and Jordan is a thrill seeker. And, and this last trip, we had a great time, and we had a guide, and one of the things that he said is you're going to have to paddle together, and to get to our destination, you're going to have to work together, and we're going to want to avoid this uh, hydraulic down here, and, and, and this one has a name. And, and, and so when I tell you on the right to paddle, you those of you up front, you've got to be watching for the rest of us. I was up front, which is a scary thought. And, and, so, and so every one of my kids has gone through this, and, and, 
Delia went once, and that was it. That was it. I said, baby, this is to build your faith. She said, I have enough faith. I'm going to stand right here on the side. All right. But you know, that's, we want to get to a destination. We want to get to that final place. And we can do it together in small groups. And so look for an opportunity to plug in somewhere. And by the end of the rafting trip, we were high-fiving each other. We were loading the rafts on top of the bus. It was awesome. And so it is in a journey. Accountability, that's not always fun, but it's sure helpful that in a small group, whether it's a marriage enrichment group or whether it's a Bible study or a women's group, to give life-producing feedback, to have people encourage you, to support you, to emphasize, and to give, give godly wisdom. The Bible says to be willing to speak the truth in love. I am so glad that I've been a part of of small groups, and some of them now have to do with other pastors, and, and we'll have an issue come up, and we never talk about y'all, but we have an issue that comes up maybe, and, and uh, we don't talk about church people, and, 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 we'll, uh, and, and I'll say, you know what, I think, I, I think I'm going to do that, I'm going to really, yeah, I won't say what it is, and, and a wise brother will say, you know, I think I'd hold off, I am so glad he told me that. You see, that accountability to make me better than I am. And what happens is, John Wesley calls it watching over one another in love. Watching over one another in love. And then what begins to happen is a transformation that as I begin to spend time with people that are wanting to become more like Jesus, when I'm wanting to be more like Jesus, we can't help but become more like Jesus together. And folks, we need to minister to the world. We need to be the light in the midst of darkness. But we also need to be willing to let iron sharpen iron. To be the very best we can be with each other. And we can be the best of who we are called to be if we'll be in relationship with one another. Where it's an honest, vulnerable, encouraging setting. Well, he had challenges. He wanted to, uh, to ascend some of the highest mountains, and he did. He scaled them. And Sir Edmund Hillary uh, actually achieved going to both the North Pole and the South Pole. He was the first man to be able to achieve both of those. And one of the things that he wanted to do was to ascend Everest, Mount Everest. And he would make some attempts, but come up short. And he would say to that mountain, he'd say, you're staying right where you are, and you're not changing, but I'm still growing. And so he would face off with it again, and he would gather the very best in those who could do an expedition around him. And he was able to lead a group to the top, the first one. And it was because he had a group around him. And they asked him, how were you able to do that? And he said, well, you know, it was dedication. It was having the right equipment, right time, season. But was having the very best people around me to allow me to achieve that. And so it is. I really believe that if we want to seek to be more like Jesus, we pull the very best around us. We live into their lives. They live into our lives. And we grow together. Let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for all those who invested in us early on, whether it was a small group leader in our student ministry years ago, whether it was a Sunday school teacher where they taught us, Jesus loves me, this I know, and we were with other students. Lord, I thank you for those people that willingly were willing to do life with us to make us who we are today. And so help us to be willing to do life still with others in discipleship. Lord, teach us to grow together. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, uh...